Oh, it's the Leafs Weekender. What's going on, everybody? I'm James, and I'm sitting down with my co-host, as always, Mr. D434, Mr. Dylan Fournier, Pete the Heat, and, of course, the unofficial fourth member of the show. He comes by so much. He's a part of the furniture now, Mr. Clark Monroe. I love being furniture. <laughs> Listen, we won't treat you like a five-year-old treats an old little couch there. Don't worry, buddy. We love you. <laughs> Um, so what a week it was for the Maple Leafs, a little bit of everything, and we will get to the injuries, the trades, but this is the Leafs weekend or wrapping up the Leafs week. That was the week that will be, um, we're talking the GBU, which is the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll go off the glass for some NHL news and notes from around the league. But before we get into that, we are proudly brought to you by our friends right here at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Be sure to check out the puck off Lagerdale. It's the beautiful beer for the best pod in the world, which is Offside Hockey Talk, which is in your ears right now. Get out east, check out some Boxing Rock, and we'll have a, a little bit of a preview of something else coming maybe next episode uh, from our friends over at Puck and Glass. But right now, we will swing into this episode here and talk about the week that was, which was not good for the Toronto Maple Leafs on the ice, but off the ice, guys. They made some moves, and we'll get into those a little bit later on. But they were one and two this week. And a prevalent thing that seemed to be happening during this week, and we will get into all of the games, break down all of the things, is the Maple Leafs giving up the first goal. Now five straight games in a row, they have given up the first goal of the game. Whether they win, lose, or go to overtime, it doesn't matter. They're still giving up that first goal. And it's very Babcockian-esque of when they played underneath Mike Babcock because that is one of the key things we always harped on was starting on time. And those Maple Leafs teams did not. They looked disinterested, disjointed, and it ended up being the undoing of Mike Babcock. Clark, you're not the guy that's here every time. So I want to ask you first, what do you think of the Toronto Maple Leafs giving up that first goal five games in a row. And really, I will say this, even though all the moves and you think the energy would be juicy and flowing, this team just kind of didn't look like it was into it this week. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the Western road swing always kills you, uh, especially when it starts in Seattle, Edmonton, Calgary, then Vancouver, and three and four nights. And, uh, you know, the Seattle game wasn't that long ago either. So not great um, overall, but I, I really do wonder about it. Now, when I say I wonder about the slow starts, it's funny because a lot of the times recently, in the very, very recent past, um, it seems like, okay, yeah, they have a really rough start, but then they've been able to adjust, and then they've been able to really take control. Outside of the Vancouver game, I would say that they were able to really bounce back really well. Uh, the last few games that that's happened to them. Um, it's interesting that it's five games in a row. That's crazy to think um, because it does seem like uh, it seems like a whole new season has started recently. So like my, my, uh, my reference for time is all out of whack. Well, here's the, the first, the last time they scored the first goal, Clark was when they played the Buffalo Sabres and Ryan O'Reilly had a hat trick. That was, oh, what a night that was. That, that was, was a beauty. Uh, but it is interesting, though, like, yeah, one and two this week, right? They it, it was a rough Western trip overall. But, um, you know, they're still six and four in their last ten. And, you know, the best part about them being six and four in their last ten is that Tampa Bay is three, four, and three in their last ten. Ooh, uh, so, so, you know, they're not – it's not like they're losing ground. <laughs> the worst part about it is Boston is ten and oh in their last ten. 
Like what? They're just insane. There, there. There's the thing. There's the kicker to me, though, right? Because we want this team to take that evolution, that next step, and that next step would be putting their foot on Tampa's neck and spreading that point gap as far as they yeah. possibly can to lock down home ice. And it seems like every time they have a golden goose opportunity, when Tampa slips up, they don't bring the energy. It's almost like, ah, well, Tampa's five points behind us. We're good. You yeah. you played the even amount of games now, and you could have gone seven points, nine points maybe ahead of Tampa given their current situation. But you're not doing that. And that's what drives me nuts here. It's like, guys, you have this opportunity. And I know it's a game in March, and this team is really just trying to gel together. I get all that. I get all the semantics and all the – you know, this happened and this guy got traded and this guy hasn't fit in yet. Okay, I get it. But at the same time, the core guys are still the core guys. And Matthews does not look like Austin Matthews. I don't care if people say he's resting or he's just having a better defensive season. He does not look as dynamic or as explosive. Even when he does do his little dynamic things, it's a burst. It's not continuous. It's a small burst. And then you see nothing from him for a little while. So for me, if that shot block messed his knee in any different direction and it's swollen, let him sit. And when he came back after he sit, you guys can all attest, he looked damn good. He was on fire. Yeah. So maybe he needs a break again. Maybe he just needs to decompress and go away for a bit. There was times in that Vancouver game, and maybe it's this is part of your what you're calling bursts, but – I really didn't think that he would look that bad last night or against Vancouver. Or any- yeah, it was last night. Uh, again, time's all off. Uh, but there was like, he was, he was beating guys with speed. He was being pretty physical out there. He was making offense happen. The unfortunate thing is just nothing went in. Demko had a really great night. Um, the power play, obviously, that one power play ruined the game, I think, um, and kind of just made it. I think made it look a lot worse than it was. And I'm not going to let them off the hook and say that that was an okay game because it really wasn't. But I think that the score ended up worse than the game actually was in my mind, um, simply because that one power play went so terribly wrong. Um, but yeah, no, I think was great too. Yeah. Oh, he was, he was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, it's funny when they scored that first goal, I was like, they have Pedersen and Miller on their top penalty kill unit. And then the first thing that they said was, Vancouver's penalty kill has been terrible all year. I'm like, oh. (laughs) You are no effort. Yeah, that's probably why, because they have those guys killing penalties. Um, Not that they're they're bad hockey players, just, you know, you're not your typical penalty killers. Um, So, anyways, I, I, you know, the hard part, too, with the last few games is they've been running 11 forwards, and that's never easy to get that that full-time chemistry going with your line mates, you're always going out with somebody different. And um, I think they, if you go back and look, I don't know if they ran the same line out like once a period, like more than once a period, it was such a jumble. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to, like you said, James, it's a game in March. I'm going to give this one a growing pains pass uh, and just let this like kind of with the belief that, it was just a weird circumstance, third game in four nights and all the things that go along with the things that people say that I'm making excuses about. And I, you know, it is what it is. Listen, uh, and Pete and Dylan, I'll let you answer this as well, but I'm going to ask you both. Is it that, is it three games in four nights? Is it the Western road trip? Is it these guys were all, you know, just a little bit worried and, 
you know, oh, I might get moved a Kerfoot or a Hall. Because, uh, by the way, at Hall versus Edmonton, that was a version of Hall that if we've seen more often, I think people would be uh, a little bit more off his ass, to be honest. Getting with you. his face clocked in by Nuge. <laughs> like, uh, but that's the only takeaway. See, that's that's what I yeah. said. That's the only takeaway people take from that. He actually, step, he I actually take, stepped it up this time. I take away the fact that he flattened McDavid. He flattened Kaylor Yamamoto behind the net. He was yeah. physical. He was engaged. Um, his clears were actually off the glass. It was yeah. like someone said to him, hey, if you don't have a game tonight, you're probably going to be traded. Just putting that out there for you. So yeah. go have yourself a game, kid, and we'll see what happens. I think after the game, someone went onto Justin Hall's Wikipedia page and put father as uh, Ryan Nugent Hawkins, which gave me a good little chuckle. But uh, did you, yeah, this... I think it was Clark, did you point that out, that it was Ryan Nugent Hopkins fights every so often, and when he does, he absolutely vilifies someone, just fills them in? Uh, it wasn't me, but that is kind of true. <laughs> it's weird. So he's got he's, he's, he's got that Western underrated fight in him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but James, this road trip, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I mean, they they didn't play their best. They didn't. They had all these new roster players come in. Like it's it's hard to do that on the road at a time difference. It's three hours behind too, right? Like they played Vancouver last night, seven p.m. Eastern, and then what is that? It's like four p.m. their time. So it's hard. And then when you have like new players coming in, it's just, it's hard to, to gel. So they, I know they played New Jersey coming up. That's another road game, but yeah, give it time to see when they, they get to home, they get home, they're fully rested and then go from there. Um, I wouldn't, yeah, again, I wouldn't get worried about it. One thing I will say though about the road, like I, I was reminded like how big this fan base is. Like when you hear go leave go chance in another barn, it's it's absolutely hilarious. And I completely understand the hate towards the Toronto Maple Leaf community because we're everywhere. And yeah. I would I'd be livid if I had to hear that in my own barn here in Toronto. So I completely understand the hate. I I kind of think it's the Western trip kind of thing. Like I feel like the only player on our roster that would have been used to the time zone was Luke Shen because he arrived down in Seattle, I do believe so, and he was in Vancouver. Like it, There was no time change for him. And I think there might have been a lot of pressure on him in last night's game just to, you know, be in Vancouver again for the, the first time since being traded. You saw the that he was throwing the body, but I guess Myers wanted to show him up one and make a big hit himself. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not looking too deep into it. I think the boys got to just uh, – put it behind them and start clicking by themselves. I think we only have uh, eight games at home, the rest of the 19 games. Um, but I don't think that'll uh, have anything to factor in with win or loss. But uh, I think the guys are, the guys are good. The guys are good. Here, here's another question I'm going to throw to all you guys. Okay. This week, the Toronto Maple Leafs power play made itself known uh, they are now fourth in the NHL, which is not too shabby. But you wouldn't think that this power play is as good as it is ranked, given the uh, fact that a uh, Blake Coleman shorthanded goal, and then two more against Vancouver. Um, again, I'm I'm saying this: if you want to have different looks, one thing that Bunt or uh, sorry Keith has not done is changed up the first power play unit. Really, he hasn't. The biggest move he did was take Riley off and add another forward. For me, I'm thinking maybe you got to break this up a little bit. Put a guy like remember when Spezza was on the unit and up front, 
and he was banging pucks in, and he was just down low, just being a grease machine. Maybe Ryan O'Reilly, when he's healthy again, because now he's got the finger injury, could be that guy. Or even Nola Shari battling in front yeah. of the net, just causing havoc. Tom Wilson-esque, you know, or even Michael Bunting, whatever, something different to give a look. But one thing I am noticing this week with the power play, again, who knows what it is, but they're not firing the puck at the net when they have the opportunities. The dish-off is back. They're more apt to pass and look for the perfect play when we all know that when you put the puck in front of the net on a power play, it's likely to spurt out somewhere and you have the man advantage to get to that puck before the other team and bury the biscuit. But for whatever reason, they're looking for perfect passes. They're going back to the blue line. Gustafson on the Blake Coleman goal was on the power play mm-hmm. on that flank, and he missed it at the blue line over a stick, Blake Coleman on a breakaway. Morgan Riley, same thing. And everybody's pointing to Morgan Riley like he's the worst player since spilled milk. But at the same thing, Morgan Riley is averaging now over two giveaways a game. And when he has a giveaway, it is a crucial giveaway. So I don't know what you do there with Morgan Riley or the power play, but you got to, I think you got to change something up, at least for the last few games here, you know, going down the stretch, figure it out, get a new unit together. I know you're fourth in the NHL, but it looks stagnant. Teams know what you're doing. So throw a freaking monkey wrench in there. Dylan, what do you think? Am I with the lunch here? I know they're the fourth overall team on the power play, but it just doesn't look that good. Uh, I, I mean, we've talked about it. I know previously in the last pod, but like, I think it's really crucial to have somebody with grit in front of that net to bother the front of the net and disturb what's going on in front of the goalie at all means. Like Bunting, he's not the biggest guy. He's not going to do it. Riley can and or will. Nolachari, I saw him. I I put the uh, game on very, very briefly yesterday in Niagara. And I saw Nolachari on the uh, same line as Tavares. I'm like, this guy's just battling along the boards and is just waiting for the most appropriate time to feed the puck out to these guys. And that's that's something that he would do well out front of the net. So I get your point. I, I think it would it would do a lot of help to the power play. Like I, I can't say that it would be number one, but I think it would do it do would it would work a lot better with somebody out front that would that could dish the puck or disturb the goalie out front. Pete, what do you think? Do we do we need someone just to get in the eyes? We look at guys who do this for a living. Uh, you can look at the Bertuzzi's, the Wilsons. Uh, go down the list of guys who really just make it miserable in front of the net. Even Zdeno Chara back in the day uh, when he was on the Boston Bruins power play, really running picks and just being a, a miserable bastard in front of whatever goalie it was. Do the Leafs need to you know, just try that out? Especially when playoff hockey becomes what we all know as physical hockey. Yeah. Yeah. I, you said their power plays fourth in the league. It doesn't feel like it. It's just, it I mean, they've given up three shorties this week. So yeah. When you tell me it's the fourth, I'm like, I don't believe it. It doesn't look like it, at least to me. Um, I don't know. There, it, it seems really predictable and teams are able to figure it out, but maybe, I don't know, go try going back to three forwards, two defensemen. Um, I don't know, Gustafson and Riley. You, I don't know if Keith wants to try that at all, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know, James. Like, it's, It just seems like they're really predictable and teams are able to figure it out. Yeah. Yep. Clark, what do you, what do you think? And again, 
we could just be completely at our lunch looking at one week. It's, you know, you know, that you know, recency bias. It's what's just happened, you know, but this power play, even if it does get a goal every game, that's great. But at the same time, it's being more of a detriment lately. And there's a lot of giveaways and a lot of breakaways and a lot of two on ones happening while the Leafs are on the power play. And I understand a lot of the time they end up breaking those up and swinging back and getting a chance themselves. But those things shouldn't be happening. You have the man advantage. It should be you on the advantage. Hence the word man advantage. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to look up the, uh, the penalty or the power play percentages across the league. So uh, the Leafs are fourth in the league right now, 25% power play Um, tops is Edmonton and no surprise there. They're unbelievable. Uh, I think McDavid set an all-time record for the Oilers for most power play points yesterday or the other day, uh, which is stupid. 58 power play points. Uh, He has more power play points than most of the Leafs (laughs) have points. (laughs) I just think that's ridiculous. Uh, But it's so funny because, yeah, we're uh, we're fourth in percentage. We're we're fourth overall in the league, and there's so much there's so much negativity. But here's here's where it is. The negativity sprouts from this fan base knowing that this power play is as good as Edmonton's. It should be as good yep. as 32% Edmonton Oilers. But yet they're they're a measly 25%. And it's so funny because, you know, like you said, James, like that's one goal a game and uh, nobody yep. cares when they score. Uh, it's the other three out of the four times that everyone's like, see, you know, the power play For me, it's not so much about the goal. It's not so much about scoring another goal or – Having right. you know, going two for five or two for three on a night for me, it's what happens when they don't control right. their power play. Mm-hmm. It's all the other chances the other team gets while shorthanded that bothers me. I, I'm not mad that they're scoring. A, that's amazing. A lot of teams don't do that. I mean, no, that's God, fair. The Toronto that's Maple Leafs but... are better than the Boston Bruins on the power play. Well, that's true. Yeah, they are. Um, and it's just it's just funny though because that's the thing though is that if they do go like one for four on a night. Um, nobody will say, oh, well, you know, they got that one goal. It's like, no, they failed three times and it looked terrible. Uh, And that's just kind of how the fan base is right now. I think uh, we're a fan base, and I I really think about this often, but we're a fan base that's not used to this still. We're still not used to this. And I think that uh, we're still used to beating ourselves up all the time. So we have to find something negative constantly, which is where Justin Hall comes in, which is where Alex Kerfoot comes in which is where, you know, the Jake Gardner's of the past and those guys come in. Uh, because we just have to be like, there's a, I don't know if it's an inferior inferiority complex or if there's something going on where we're like, well, we have to find negatives here because the, this can't be as good as it is. And so that's, but I think, but the looking at it the other way, again, I think it's just the, there's so much untapped, I feel like on a nightly basis with this team power play included their penalty kills creeping up there which is great they i think they were perfect in the month of february if i'm not mistaken they were perfect they didn't... in the month of february but the problem is so was everybody else ahead of them because they sure. haven't moved they're still 12th in the nhl on the pk so yeah yeah it's fair but it's still good to see that happening at this time of the year um so that's good uh they're able to you know they didn't trade away kerfoot who i really think is a very important piece of that penalty kill, but we're not talking about the penalty kill. We're talking about power play. Uh, and I guess the biggest thing for me is with that current group is 
they did mix it up a little bit. Like they put Matthews in that bumper slot a little bit to get a couple of one-timers in the slot. Um, but like you said earlier, like every single time it's like, okay, Riley gets it at the top. Mm-hmm. Slow pass over to Marner. Slow pass back to Riley. Slow pass to Austin Matthews, and if he doesn't get a good one timer, he stops it and gives it back to Riley. And it's like that's it. Like that's and they go they go down low every once in a while, but but then when they do go down low because they never do it, everyone just piles up in the crease and like you can't get anything done because that's where they're trying to go. And it's just like okay, so who's the power play coach? Because I know that they made some changes. Is it, is it still Manny Malhotra? Is he still doing power play? Like, no, it's, um, why can't it, uh, Spencer Carberry, isn't it? No, he left. I think I could be wrong, but I think he took a job somewhere else to be a head coach somewhere like in the AHL or something. Or am I, I thinking the wrong that. way I here? He, I thought he turned that down to stay I, with the Leafs. Double check. But I just, it's just like, like you said earlier, it's just, that's the biggest thing for me is that I feel like they've just He's been like, the okay, Leafs. He is okay, so he's still there. And he was he, you know, he sparked that that power play when he got here in the first place. When he got to Toronto in the first place, he, I feel like he did a great job. Um, I just don't know if they rely too much on each player's like strength. Like you know, Austin's got a shot. Okay, well let's feed Austin's shot. Mitch can make great passes. Okay, well let's give it to Mitch so he can make a pass. And it's just and you know Morgan is good at patrolling the blue line uh so let's just <laughs> let them do that uh, yeah. and it just seems like there's nothing else there it's just like that's what that's the plan and that's it um so that's the biggest thing for me is like they can put austin matthews in the slot or put him on the wall it just seems like it's going it's the same thing every time and i don't i don't know if that's just a leafs thing or if that, is that everybody like i i don't know i guess i don't watch enough other teams to know like the ins and outs of their power plays but I, I look at highlights from Edmonton and it's like, man, that power play, they're moving, they're passing across the ice. They're one timers. It's just unbelievably, it's, it's crazy dynamic. And, and they it put creative. the puck on the net a whole lot. That's the thing, right? I mean, that too. And so I'm just, I'm wondering what's, what's the disconnect? Are they, are they like saving the playbook for the playoffs or, or what's <laughs> going on? Cause I, I do remember, was it last year or two years ago where, it seemed the same way. And then all of a sudden, like in the playoffs, mm. something changed on the power play and everyone's like, they were saving it. Uh, yeah. Are like, you talking the point where they went like, Oh, for 70 on the power yeah, play. Something. Yeah. And then, and then the playoffs roll around and they like switched up their, their structure. And it's like, Oh, see. Um, but I, I don't know. I think they got to pull out something earlier than, than the playoffs. If they're, if they're saving it, don't just, just do it now. <laughs> No, definitely. Anyways, it, that's, it that's the biggest thing. It just seems like it's just like the same. And I don't know, man. It's weird because it, there's just a lot of untapped, untapped excellence there. I'd also like to say that I think a big thing this year is our goals per game is down. It's not down significantly, but it's down a decent amount. And I know a lot of people are focusing on the fact that Matthews isn't putting the puck in the back of the net as much this year. Yeah. But I think that may also have to do with the grand scheme of things. I the, I will re- rebut that, rebut, rebut um, Re- that by mm-hmm. saying the one good thing, rebuttal. though, is that rebu- – Yeah, so this is my rebuttal uh, – <laughs> is that they have like 430 goal scorers right now. Uh, um, yes, there's – Like pretty close. Anyways, yes. hovering around that era. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think Matthews is at like 27. Nylander's above. Marner's around 25, 26, 27, or maybe a little higher. Even. And, okay, and Tavares is right there too. 
28. The problem with the problem with that, I guess, is it's like when those four guys don't get on the board this year, one of the problems has Secondary been, okay, sport. who else, who else is going to get on the board? And, you know, I think they're still figuring that out. And hopefully this new group will maybe figure that out as well. But that's, that's kind of, yeah, it's an interesting one. They're scoring I, I don't know how, the, the how many teams, four, I don't know sorry, how many other teams have four close to 30 goal scorers. So I guess that is a point, but. Hey, yeah. here's a fun factoid. When was the last time the Leafs had three 30 goal scorers? Three thirty goal scorers. Um, Top of my head. Shocked at the names, and no, they did not. Make oh, it's gonna be. Was, is it gonna be a year they didn't make the playoffs? It is. Mm, is it? Is it? Is it Castle? Lupo? What was that? It's Grabowski, Kuhlman, and Clark MacArthur. Oh, had thirty goals. Dang. I was going to say, uh, was P.A. Paranto on this list at all? Because <laughs> that one year. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't make the playoffs, but that line was on fire. Uh, I think it was like almost 100-some-odd goals between the three of them. Unreal. But they were just lighting it up that one year, and we were all excited as the Leaf fans because we're like, ah, look at this. This line is amazing. We need to build around yeah. them. I, th- I think we take advantage that that was the old <laughs> – and yeah. now we have that, and everybody's like, why isn't it better? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, listen, okay. Let's uh, wrap up the week that was here with a couple of uh, a tidbits here. Uh, Connor McDavid, agree or disagree, looked pissed off in the uh, the Toronto Maple Leaf game. He's, against he's the always Leafs. pissed off at the Leafs. He did, not look, he did not look happy in that game. He looked like he was on a mission to just destroy the Leafs. Just yeah, destroy yeah. them. Uh, show up, show up, Austin Matthews for yeah. taking his cookies and his awards last year, and also looked him dead in the eye and said, "I'm also taking your fucking rocket, Richard." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. That's exactly what he said. That yeah. he said, "You well, took no, it all man. last year. This no, year no, no. it's mine." He said, "I'm sorry, but I had to study you in the off season to actually see how to score. So mm-hmm. now I'm taking your rocket." Yeah, I heard he hung out with Connor Bedard too. He broke his own arm and just shot pucks with one wrist. <laughs> uh, the other thing for this week here, right or wrong, guys, uh, for the week that was, I liked the fourth line of Noel Shari, Zach Aston Reese, and Sam Lafferty. I thought they were effective against Edmonton. They were hemming the other team in the zone. They were hitting. They had puck control. They had speed and movement. Everything we're talking about, the power play that didn't have, that line created and was really an energy line for the Leafs. Probably the only line that was rolling. I understand they want to work some of these new D guys in, see who fits and who doesn't. By the way, Gustafson, if I got to say a guy who's sitting, I think it's you. Um, not thrilled with what you've done so far, but we'll see. But that yeah, line. But then you, then you got to put Lilligren back in the lineup too, right? Yeah, well, then Justin Hall can sit down for a few games. I mean, but will and he- I'm not knocking Justin Hall, but I'm saying – Gio and Lily looks pretty good. What about Tim? Do you think he cracks his way back in the lineup? No, no, no he's no. definitely he a definite his contract. You just tell him to sit. Yeah, well, he's much. here for next year, right? He's next year. Yeah, next year. true. So you yeah, know, it's he, unfortunate hey. that he has to clear waivers because he's hmm. just gonna he's just gonna do nothing really. He is, he is. But uh, that line, agree or disagree, guys? The Zach Aston Reese Lafferty. By the way, I love Lafferty's speed and physicality. Hello. But uh, that line, Noel Chari, Zach Aston Reese, Sam Lafferty, agree or disagree, was a good line. I think should stick together and get a chance to run. 
I really oh, agree. Yeah, you, you notice them like they're they're high energy and they're just like it's always in the opponent's end. They're high energy. I'm. I don't know. Have they scored yet? I don't know. I don't <clears> they haven't scored. They play with high energy and they look great. Um. Yeah. The other thing for this week here, guys, right here for me, was the player Joe Wool. Um, I liked what he brought against Calgary, uh, a team on a back-to-back that should be tired. I know they locked it down defensively for him in the third, but they did not make it easy in the first, giving up that shorthanded goal, and they didn't make it easy in the second either. There's a lot of chances. He made some pretty good 10-bell saves. Uh, agree or disagree, Joe Wool, I think, is ready for a chance to show here. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I don't even think it's not only that you agree, it was clearly that Kyle Dubas and management agreed with you too, James, because they didn't make that move for a goalie that I just, I was so blown away with the amount of insiders and analysts that were like, the Leafs need to add a goaltender here. They need one. Yeah. It's like, who is out there that's going to mm-hmm. do anything? And B, Who's worth the assets to come in and be your third goalie and have like a two percent chance of playing a game? I was I like Kevin Weeks was behind this, and I was like Kevin, what are you? Are you trying to get a job again? Like what are you doing? Like, the Leafs don't need a goalie here. Gone, um, it would have been hilarious if they got James Reimer. They bring back Reimer yeah. and Shen. I was kind of because so there was a tweet that happened um, right hmm. at the deadline, or maybe it was the night before. I did see that. I think I sent it to you guys, and it was like, oh, hug alert. Nick Benito is hugging James Reimer outside the locker room. And I was like, oh, shoot, this is going to happen, no. isn't it? We're going to get James uh-huh. Reimer back, half retained. He's going to come in and not play at all, but he's just going to like add to it. And uh, That didn't happen, obviously, but that would have been really cool. Uh, to me, that's the only guy that I would have actually been like, I get this, if they went out and got him. Uh, because everybody else, like, I heard the name Karel Vamelka thrown around a lot from the Coyotes. It's like, you're really going to trade what it's going to take to get him out of Arizona to yeah. come in and not play? Like, what? what's the point? Like, I don't get yeah. it. That what, might what be I a guy that if you weren't bringing back Murray, if Murray wasn't going to play, that right. might be a guy that I say him and Samsonov could battle for 1A, 1B time because Definitely. we know Vimelka can stop the rubber. But that is the only way I'd see that happening. Yeah, not like Jonathan, the whole John Quick stuff, I was like, get out of here with Jonathan Quick. That makes no sense. He's awful. Uh, like it, w- it wouldn't make any sense to get Jonathan Quick to come up with a five point eight million dollars salary, probably get retention, which costs more, and then sit and do nothing. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So, and and C, I think I was on C, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, <laughs> Matt Murray, outside of you know, losing four one, I think he looked really good yesterday you know, um, against Vancouver. Like he made that huge save on the two on one, of course. Yeah. Uh, but just in general, I thought he looked really sharp for being out as long as he was. The boys um, had. Hung him out to dry. That was the only thing. Hundred percent. And that fourth goal was actually like kind of crazy nice. Uh, that they scored. <laughs> it was like that backdoor pass. There you go. Look at that. Joe Wall. Uh, so, so I'm to answer the question once again. Joe Wall, like Joseph Wall, I think is more than acceptable for the amount of games that he's probably going to be required for, which hopefully is zero. Uh, and Eric Schalgren's also there, who has also played games. Oh, so right, I, Eric. I I say I, I Wall just, is a massive upgrade over Hutchison. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Who got traded I, at the trade deadline? Yeah. By the way, yes, and he's on Columbus, right? Yeah, for Jonathan got, Quick. Who's Jonathan uh, Quick? Yeah. So it's like I don't know. I I just blown away with the amount of people who are putting pressure on the team to go get a goalie. It didn't make any sense to me. 
Uh, and I'm just pumped to see Matt Murray back. And he looked sharp, even though they lost 4-1. I still think he looked really good. Well, yeah. no, I, I fully agree with you. I think the Maple Leafs hung him out to dry, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. He made some 10-bell saves. He kept them in it. He fired it up. He did what he needed to do to show everyone that I'm back. I can play. I'm capable. The ankle's good. The groin's good. The hip flexor, whatever. Whatever you know, else. Don't be worried. I'm I'm here, okay? So we're going to we're gonna get through these games together. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, so that is the week that was for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The week that will be. And, wow. Wow, if the Leafs lose on Tuesday night, is there going to be a long week ahead? Because we play the New Jersey Devils, and we know they're a firecracker of a team. Uh, we know who's on that squad, what they can do. Uh, we know what happened last time these two teams met, by the way, in New Jersey. So you know New Jersey is going to want Great to game. come back with a vengeance. Not one, not two, but three disallowed goals. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> So, yes, don't worry, guys. I, I got the show roll here. I got you. Thank okay. you. Thank you. I appreciate it. The history is here. Um, but, yes, they will play the New Jersey Devils for the first time since that incident. So, you know, their barn loves to get in on the chance. So there will be some heat thrown towards the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not bottles this time, just heat. But I expect that heat. game to be very, oh, <laughs> very emotional. Um from New Jersey side, because obviously they want to get that win back and they want to basically pander to their fans, but the Leafs themselves, I'm hoping now Ryan O'Reilly aside, cause I don't think he's going to be in the lineup, but I'm hoping the Leafs go back to 12 forward 60 yeah. and really can shut down, you know, the New Jersey to devils, man. The devils are looking good. Okay. They're looking all right. They are looking all right. The New York Aye. side of things. I, no, Give me fried, give me fire. They got Timo fucking Meyer. But it doesn't matter because the Maple Leafs got Ryan O'Reilly, Noah Chari, Jake McCabe. Oh, they got everybody. They went out and added. My wife, by the way, is a funny thing. So trade deadline day came, and all of us were sitting there like, oh, Kyle Dubas has got to move one of these D. She looked at me, and she goes, you guys are all fucking greedy. You're greedy. She's like, I listen to you guys talk about all these trades that happened. You got all these new players coming in your lineup. You should be excited for those players. You're greedy. You don't need anything else. You're greedy. I was like, it's a fair way to look at it, I guess. Yeah. We got more trades and more big names than most teams. So, yeah, okay. All right. All right. But <laughs> we look at the New Jersey Devils. And then, of course, Connor McDavid. The show comes to town, leaves back in Toronto. And they will be facing, hopefully, maybe, Jack Campbell and his former digs uh, and Connor McDavid. But we shall see. So I ask all of you, let's go around the horn, knowing what we know now, New Jersey the history, the game, the three disallowed goals. And then, of course, Connor McDavid on his I'm going to whoop Austin Matthews ass tour, uh, basically is what that is. What do you think the week that will be next week, Clark Monroe? The week that will be is what? We, we doing our uh, what do you think they're going to do for wins and losses right now? Wins and losses. Yeah, that's the way we wrap it up. 2-0. I'm going 2-0. Um, I think they um, – they get this this really necessary travel day uh, back home here today, and then tomorrow they'll probably it'll be a light practice. I think they'll still get a good practice in though, um, or at least a good skate. And I think that's going to be really important because these guys really even haven't been home yet since all these trades no. have been made. They haven't, I mean, they haven't Ryan, even been a group together, really. Exactly. And I mean, I think O'Reilly and Achari have been. They've played a game in Toronto. Yeah. I pretty sure. Yeah. But. Yes. Yeah. Basically, as a group, they haven't been in Toronto yet. So 
get back there and kind of reset a little bit. And I think this game in New Jersey, uh, I think it uh, has a really good opportunity for them to kind of, okay, let's stop messing around here and, and kind of make a good statement. Um, and then that game on Saturday against Edmonton, is it Saturday against Edmonton? Yeah. Yep. Saturday night, um, yeah. Hockey night in Canada. That's, that's just, yeah, bright lights, exactly. The first game back at home with all these new guys, I think everybody's going to be super pumped about it. Uh, the crowd should be buzzing. You saw what Luke Shen did uh, on that first shift against Vancouver, laying out, uh, well, it was Field Giuseppe twice, but laying that guy out twice um, really set the tempo early, and I think that kind of forced Tyler Myers to lay that absolutely dirty hit on John Tavares, by the way because um, he was trying to respond. And I think if you can get Edmonton off their game early like that by getting a couple of big hits at home by Luke Shen and everyone's going to be wild because it's Luke Shen back in Toronto for the first time. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot there. And I think if you can, if you can get that energy right away, um, that game's over before it starts. I really think that, I think it's going to frustrate Edmonton. They're going to get in their own heads. Uh, and I just think that's, that's how that one would go. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna say two and zero. I'm gonna say two and zero. I think it's gonna be a really good week. All right, all right, uh, Mr. Pete the Heat. I th- I'm gonna go with Clark here and say two and zero. However, I'm not gonna be surprised if they they lose on Tuesday here. They're again like they're still on this long road trip. They haven't still fully set in this new lineup. They haven't gotten settled. So um, I think they'll come away with the win on on uh, Tuesday here against the Devils. Uh, it's going to be high intensity, maybe high scoring. Um, but for Edmonton, I really hope they start Jack Campbell. Because I know if Jack Campbell makes a save, you're going to hear the crowd yell soup. And that's going to be so cool to hear. As as bad as he's been this year, you, you got to love his time in Toronto. He has- so, um, I hope he, he gets a, a nice salute. And maybe a video tribute would be cool too. But yeah, uh, yeah 2-0 this, uh, this week. I'm I'm hopping on this wagon of two and zero as well. Um, Soupy is gonna have a probably a memorable night uh, coming back to Toronto, but it's probably it's going to be ruined by us. <laughs> I was supposed to go to that game, but I'm going to the one the following Friday oh, against Carolina. Tickets are stupid um, expensive right now. I know, I know. Um, but uh, Soupy's kind of bounced back a little bit this year. So I expect a good game uh, for the one at home. And then uh, the Devils, they might try and push it to overtime, but I think we could get to win in overtime against them. The other part too about Pete, like with you saying that they're going to say soup, is I guarantee Jack's going to cry and then he'll just be like, (laughs) he'll be thrown off. You're so right, Clark. So right. Yeah, it's going to get emotional. There's a there's a rumor going around. That's why he didn't start the last game. Yeah, his, yeah. his headspace wasn't in the right space, and because it was a last minute change to Stewart Skinner, mm. so that is something that I heard from around the campfire. Not knowing if it's true, because no way to confirm it. But yeah. Um, yeah, from what I heard from people that like to swing by our little show here, that might be the reason. So I just want to give that guy a hug, like all the yeah. time. I just want to give that guy a hug. Me too. He's got to be the Maybe most likable NHL player of all time. Like I you cannot so. hate on him. He's just—he's always in a good mood, or at least he's trying to be in one. And just—you you know, he cares. He's the nicest American I've ever seen. All right, guys, so you're gonna hate me on this one, but I'm gonna go all one and one. Oh. Um, I don't have the warm and fuzzies about this week. 
Um, A, not only are we working in new players, but if Ryan O'Reilly and Austin Matthews do have to sit for any amount of time, that is going to further disjoint a lineup that's already disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you're still trying to work guys in on the back end. Um, you know, New Jersey is a team that is rolling. Uh, Edmonton, obviously rolling. Um, so I do think they get at least one point here. And, uh, you know, this may come to a shock because everyone – and listen, guys, I will do my prediction season video and say they're going to win. Of course I will because that's what I do. That's my thing. It's my shtick. I don't say they're going to lose. Why would I want to say my team's going to lose? But this feeling I have of 0-1-1, and it's just – it's it's based on the fact that I think if guys are out of the lineup, you're bringing new guys in. So that can go one of two ways. You can get the new guy bump where, like, a Bobby McMahon sparks the team and they score and everybody gets excited. Or – you have the reverse effect where everything's just helter-skelter and doesn't work the way that it should. So we shall see. But I'm saying 0-1-1, and, and I hope I'm dead-ass wrong. Pardon my French. But um, it, it looks like it's going to maybe be one of those weeks where it's going to be a long week for Leaf fans, and hopefully it's still a long week for Tampa fans, and we'll see what happens. But that is your week that will be right here. Check it out for next week. We'll see who is right, who is wrong, because someone usually starts dancing when they're right. I know none of us were dancing this week because uh, I think we all picked them to go pretty well. 3 and 0 on the road. Speaking of dancing, James. Speaking of dancing. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> Detroit's making the playoffs, baby. Detroit is not making the playoffs, and therefore you must make a cringy dance video. It's okay. It will happen. I mean, they're not mathematically out, but. Listen, I know it's getting the math is not really on my side. It's okay. It's okay. Um, All right. It's time to get into the GBU, the good, the bad, the ugly, brought to you by our friends over at Smitty Sports Cards. They're the ones you see that give us all the beautiful rookie cards for the giveaways. So thank you to Smitty Sports Cards. This is the GBU, the good for me. You guys can agree or disagree. The team beefed up, made the trades, and now it is on them to get it done. You bring in McCabe, you bring in Lafferty, you bring in Achari, you bring in Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shen, Gustafson. You cut some fat from the roster that everybody thought maybe can move on. I know Clark, the Ingvall guy was gone, so you're (laughs) getting excited. And then they they neutered him over there on the island, shaved his beard off and made him a baby again. Um, And then Rasmus Sandin. It seemed like a marriage that was doomed to fail between the two anyways. Um, you get a first-round pick in Gustafson. But this team, agree or disagree for the good this week, finally beefed up and looks like they may be able to lean on some opponents in the playoffs. Agreed. I want to ask everybody a question first. Who do you think changed Dubas' mind on how to approach the team overall? He went from speedy like approach to the playoffs, and now he – started, oh, let's get the rough and tough guys because we actually need to be able to hit in the playoffs. Do you think it was Shanahan or do you think it was just a change of mind? I'll tell you this right now. Lafferty has foot speed. and can. Hit. I, I'm not saying none Achari, of them do. I'm just saying. No, I'm saying Achari can move and so can um, – I don't know if you guys know this, but McCabe is not uh, no cement stone guy either. That guy can boogie for the amount of stuff that he does. So it, it looks like he still, he still got to go with his speed aspects – but it's just guys that are our souls. They are our souls to play against, but uh, they are more physical ass kind of guys. But I think it is Shanahan that really said, Hey, this year we want to be hard to play against. We know who we're playing. 
Keep that in the back of your mind. By the way, you get to round two. You know who you're playing pretty much uh, unless some sort of miracle happens. So, yeah, let's get physical. And Shani probably be the one barking that, saying, hey, we got to get it done. Yeah, one of our favorite uh, buddies over on TikTok, uh, you guys know who I'm talking about, was um, during a live stream, I I jumped in and he was like, yeah, I guess I I was going to do his voice, but I won't. Um, I guess Dubas finally decided to, you know, switch up from what he has normally been doing for the last five years. And I'm like, I don't think this was a snap decision. I, no. I don't think Dubas ever works under snap decisions. To me, this was a, probably the plan I would think all along. Uh, and it just all accumulated into one, like one, one. momentous mm-hmm. week where yeah. everything kind of just seemed to happen during that week. But I really, I think this was more calculated than, than we're giving anybody credit for. I don't think this was just Brendan walking into Kyle's office one day and be like, all right, we got to, we got to have more hits. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll go, I'll go get it. <laughs> I, I really think this was something that they've been really going for, for a while. And, you know, it sounded like even um, when they made the trade for, uh, I'm trying to think of the timeline of how all this happened when, when uh, Tampa Bay got Janot and then they went out and did the McCabe trade right after, I think, was that the right, was that the right timeline? Yep. Yep. It is the right timeline. Yep. They yeah. They were working so, on it beforehand. Yeah. They were working on it before and it just was like the timing of it made it look like it was a reactionary move. And I think some people latched onto that, but at the end of the day, I really think that this was a calculated and long thought out approach to how they wanted to adjust the roster. My biggest thing is going to be now, um, how long is this adjustment going to take? Because they have gone from a possession-based style, which is where Engvall came in and, you know, Sandine, those guys, it was very based on possession numbers. And that's why Engvall looked so good in his, me- his metrics always looked good as despite everything I kept saying to you guys every single time we <laughs> talked about him. Um, but it was like, oh, he's still really good zone exits and stuff. And I'm like, ah. I get it. Um, so I, I, I wonder how long the adjustment to this like brute force approach now is going to take to really for the whole system to kind of adjust because this is going to be on Sheldon Keefe too to adjust his game plan, adjust Absolutely. how he uses his lines, his matchups, everything. Um, and the lines clearly aren't done yet. No. Um, I'm very curious to, to know if Matthews does sit this one um, and if O'Reilly does, I'm assuming he'll sit. Um, the funniest thing happened during the trade deadline and I'm getting back to that, but the funniest thing happened where Bob McKenzie was talking, uh, and he's like, this is the day before. And he's like, as of midnight tonight, uh, the 23 man roster no longer exists. Uh, it's just under, as long as you're under the salary cap. And I was like, hold on. What did I just learn that for the yeah. first time? What? Uh, <laughs> did I just learn that? So as, as the, the midnight before. Uh, the deadline hits. Apparently, you are allowed to have more than twenty-three guys on your roster as long as you're under the cap. I had no idea, but Bob McKenzie just said it as if everybody knew, and I was like, "Wait, hold on! Did he just say something wrong, or is that like a secret?" I always thought the rosters expanded in the playoffs. Right, the playoffs. It doesn't matter, but he said, and I, I, I thought about it for like I'm still thinking about it uh, clearly. But he's like, "Yeah, as long as you're under the cap, the twenty-three man roster disappears." And I was like, okay, so now this means for that short-term period where, you know, they still have a little bit of cap space to, you know, sign Matthew Nye, as everyone's talking about. But that does mean that they should be able to bring up a couple of forwards, like Pontus Holmberg maybe comes back up, maybe Bobby McMahon comes back up, especially if they're missing a couple of guys. Um, 
Like if they put Ryan O'Reilly on IR, that opens up a spot too. So uh, it should, it should, I'm really curious to see if they utilize that and how they utilize it um, or, and who fills in if these guys are hurt. Cause um, I mean, they, they didn't really trade anybody away outside of Joey Anderson. So they should have a lot of their depth options still. And I'm just wondering if, who they call up first, uh, if anybody like Dryden Hunt's gone, they're going to give this to Zahorna a chance. Uh, that last minute trade that they, they made with Calgary. Um, so I'll be curious, you know, it's funny too, with Zahorna is he's a former penguin. So they could legitimately go yeah. Aston Reese, Zahorna and Lafferty. And that's a former penguin line from a couple of years ago. So we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see how this next few days shake down and, and how the injuries all come out and who's going to be hurt and who isn't. And, how these lines shake down. Like you said earlier, James, I really hope they go back to 12 forwards because I just want to see, I want to see these lines get some, some long-term chemistry here and not just be put in a blender every couple of minutes. No, for sure. All right. So we all agree the good is that they beefed up finally. Uh, the bad, and I mean, I mean, it's not that bad, but the power play just looks so predictable and disjointed. It needs a jolt. Uh, would you guys agree, at least for this week here, the power play is definitely the bad. Uh, it really led to two, two bad goals against Vancouver, one against Calgary. To me, that is the bad this week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And then we go on to the ugly. Uh, the ugly. The effort level. The effort level to me, when you're getting scored on five games in a row for the first goal, you're not there to start the game. And this happened under Babcock. This happened before. And it really, we got into this a little bit earlier. But for me, this is the ugly because this is the time of year where you do not want bad habits to start forming. You do not want bad trends to start trending. And the Leafs need to really right that ship. I know that you're not always going to score the first goal. And I know the Leafs have been able to come back and win games from behind. I look at Minnesota. I look at Calgary. Okay, you won those games. But you're putting yourself behind the eight ball when you're allowing the other team to jump in and score first. So for me, guys, that's the ugly for the week. Um, am I missing the mark on that one? Because I think that's pretty pretty easy to see. Yep. Yeah, I think Boy, you got it. Turn it up a little bit. That's all I'm saying. All right, so yeah. let's go. That was the GBU brought to you by our friends over at Smitty Sports Cards. Now we spin into the NHL news and notes. Guys, can we all hold just a second and say, finally – Chikrin has been traded and he's done. It's over. The saga has completed. Finally, the guy who's been held out, the topic of many trades, rumors, stories, and everything in between, finally has a home with the Ottawa Senators. Shocking. And now the Ottawa Senators are making a push. But what do you guys think of Chikrin finally getting traded and then to Ottawa for far less than anyone thought that he'd be traded for, to be honest? Smart move. Uh, Pete, you go. I saw you. Uh, I was going to say, I, I mean, uh, you got to love the trade if you're an Ottawa Senators fan. Like, that was a, I don't know, they get, they fleeced Arizona here. Um, I, I did see the other night um, he scored in front of his grandfather, which is really cool to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really special moment. But, yeah, no, about time he gets traded. And, uh, yeah, I, I also saw a headline saying um, uh, that, Pierre Dorian did it for uh, Giroux. I mean, I guess he promised him a, a good team in Ottawa, and that's the move he wanted to make to keep his promise to him. Yeah. I, th- I think it was a really smart uh, move. I think Jacob's going to flourish there, like, a lot. Um, 
I actually was watching the the game because um, I was in the hotel room of a Sens fan, and it was actually a really entertaining game. But um, Jacob Chikrin passed the puck to Brady, who passed it to Stutzla, who scored I think the first or the second goal, and the I think the energy that he brought to the team was far more than any of them ha- or anyone has added to that team in a in a while. Um, it also, like we were talking in the off season, it finally adds a defenseman to Ottawa who has been missing a solid defenseman on that roster to help take the pressure off Shabbat because I think that's what they needed all along. Um, and um, that special moment with uh, his grandfather uh, reacting to his his goal was was also really really special. And I think um, there's nothing like that for a chick to just enjoy and love uh, the moment for that one. Definitely. Well, yeah, next... def... go ahead, Clark. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say quick, it, the, the kind of the, the points that I kind of gathered from all the, the different reports on that trade uh, I made it seem like Bill Armstrong was kind of handcuffed a little bit with what he could and couldn't get back for this trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I saw a couple guys say that, um, they didn't want to retain any money, which is fine. Then I saw a couple other guys say that they didn't want to bring any money back in the in the deal, which, okay, now you're pushing it. So then it was it sounded like the owner just straight up told the GM, just go get picks. That's all I want. All I want is picks. Don't, you know, we yeah. got to clear this money. Because um, they're, they're just, it's a terribly run organization over there. I think we've known that for a while, but it's just, it just came out again. Like, it's so funny how Arizona, just keeps reminding us how bad of an organization they are. Like they just don't do things normally. They don't do things to win. They don't, they don't make decisions to win. And it's really frustrating because there are some have been, and is currently some decent players there. It's just unfortunate for those guys. Cause how do you feel if you're Lawson Krause right now or Clayton Keller? Like, how do you feel after hearing what just happened? And yeah. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, so it seemed like Jacob Chikrin was like hugely, hugely relieved. Uh, it looked, you could see it on his face when they were interviewing him. Like he just seemed like, Oh my God, finally. Um, and you know, I, I looked at the return and I was like, I, I still don't quite know if that first round pick that they got back from Sandine was on purpose. And me and James had a really good conversation on my live stream, uh, the night of the deadline, I think it was, where we were talking about that, or maybe it was me and even uh, Leafs fan MD Massimo. Um, we were talking about it a little bit, and there's legitimately teams, and it just got proven with Arizona who didn't want necessarily prospects or players back. They just wanted picks, and I'm wondering, the back of my head, I'm wondering if Kyle Dubas got that pick, thinking, well, maybe I can make one last swing in Arizona and see if I can give. Our first yeah. round pick from Boston, our first round pick next year, and a second round pick for Chikrin, because that's what they wanted. They didn't want Sandine. Now I don't know if they offered that or not. Who knows? I mean, we'll probably never find out. But um, it would make sense because that technically would be a little bit more than what they got. I mean, they got a first and then a conditional second, which could be a first. They technically kind of might get two first rounders, but um, we could offer them. I think two straight up first rounders. Just take them. Um, yeah. And I wish I kind of like in the back of my head, I was like, that would have been the move. But the problem with that is I think they valued, they probably valued would have had to include, 
Well, for sure. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. But they, they also probably had to include David Gustafson in that deal, or they probably would have had to include mm-hmm. Justin Hall or something to make the money work. I don't know what they would have to have done. They probably would have had to include one of those defensemen in Arizona probably – Probably said we no just, if that ever happened at all. I'm, yeah. I'm making up a scenario here. But we were handcuffed, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, you can't add Jacob Chikrin when you already have nine defensemen without moving one or two away. So, yeah. So yeah, anyways, I just kind of had that, like, maybe that was why. And now, I mean, looking ahead, I guess you have, we have a first-round pick going into the draft. So, I mean, I don't want to talk Ooh, about well, the draft because yeah. there's a lot to happen before then. <laughs> but we're going to be pl- – the Leafs are going to be players at the draft because I – you know, Kyle Dubas, if he gets to that point where he's going to make that pick, he's trading down. But yeah. there might be a scenario where he uses that pick to upgrade somehow in the offseason. And I just I'm really curious that that first round pick is is like playing in the, in my mind now to see what they're going to do with that come summer. But I'm not worried about the summer right now. Let's that's another Let's show. Get one thing. <laughs> Take yeah. care of one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I don't know where we are on the list there, guys. I had to step up for just a second. Uh, did we same, just wrap same up on point. chicken? Perfect. All <laughs> yeah. right, well, let's swing down. Uh, apparently from insiders, Elliot Friedman, Pierre Lebrun, the Leafs were chasing Matthias Ekholm, who went to the Edmonton Oilers, and they also were kicking tires on Eric Carlson, which to me is a very big head scratcher. Uh, but that was dropped by Elliot Friedman last night. Um, so I'm wondering for you guys, you look at those two players, I would love to see Mr. Ekholm on this team. But uh, for Carlson, for me, that's a no-go. Just the, the price, the length, the whole nine yards, and probably what yeah. you have to give up for it. No, thank you. I know Dylan's probably bursting here. But at home, I would. At home, I would. If, I know this is a very big if scenario, Carlson was not at as much cap as he was. I would love him for the fact that we just talked about the power play needs somebody to re like just rejuvenate the whole yeah. thing. I think he would be somebody I could do very well. I, I sometimes don't think Riley is really meant for the power play in my eyes. And that's why Keith goes towards the five forwards at times, but the price for Carlson obviously is not, not worth it in my eyes. Because salary again, that you just what, have to give up yeah. Too much. What's his uh, cap hit? Eleven. 11. Yeah, <laughs> you would have. So, obviously, I was gonna, I, just to say, obviously, you'd need a third team to take on some retention there. But like, at what yeah. price? That just no, that doesn't make sense to me. I think what uh, Elliot elaborated on there after he said that they kicked tires or whatever was. Um, Essentially, they were asking San Jose how much they would retain, and they're like, "Yeah, we're not, we're not going to retain." And that was kind of the end of it because <laughs> um, it wouldn't have worked. That makes sense. Um, and I think that's that. Then that also translated to asking Nashville how much they would retain on Ekholm, and they said, "Yeah, not much," because uh, they ended up retaining four percent, which I is think not, is like that is a like, weird like, number. Why it's like three hundred? It's like three hundred grand or something. I don't what? even know. Um, so it doesn't make much sense, uh, for the Leafs, I don't think. And that's mm-hmm. why I think that's, that was probably in my, in my head, the timeline of both of those conversations was probably about a week ago, maybe a yeah. little bit more. Uh, and then that's like, okay, we'll go get Jake McCabe, who's a cheaper version of what Matthias Ekholm kind of is. 
Yep. Um, similar, similar style of players anyways. Um, kind of. And he, we can get him half retained. So that's, that's a win right there. We'll go get Eric Gustafson, who's a left-handed, much, much, much cheaper and much not as good as version of Eric Carlson. That gives us a bit of a dynamic that we're looking for there. And then we'll get Luke Shen to kind of play what we want. I guess what Ekholm also would have been is that exactly <laughs> like Dylan saying the muscle side of it. So um, they went out and they totally moneyballed it. Like they, I could see Kyle Dubas sitting in a boardroom with a bunch of old guys. And they're like, okay, we got to get Eric Carlson. And Dubas is like, okay, I'm going to make up Eric Carlson in the aggregate. Luke Shen slaps his name up on the board. <laughs> what? Why? Luke Shen, he makes what? What are you talking about? He hits. Jake McCabe. <laughs> he hits. Yeah. Eric have you guys? <laughs> have you guys seen the, uh, the TikTok <laughs> so of the guy that's like, hey, guys, I'm Kyle Dubas, motherfucker. Fucker. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. On a spiel of, I did this, I did this, and I'm just like, he he legit knocked off almost everything that we talked about. Like, we talked about each and every single one of those players, and it just blows my mind that he acquired each and every one of them. I I, I just thought it was crazy. Yeah, and we still have was... some guys in the uh, the wing wings as well. Jordy Ben, Victor Mete, Philip Crawl, Connor Timmons, we talked about. So the Leafs do still have a very large glut of defensemen, and we all know injuries happen. So why not have a few insurance policies in the back pocket? Um, all right. Each guy on this little spindle right here is going to pick their winner and their loser of trade deadline. Uh, I don't need your reasoning. I just need your winner and your loser. Actually, you know what? Give me wait, wait, wait. a small blurb of why you think of each is it um, teams team yes oh i was gonna say trade wise i have a few <laughs> no one your winning team and your losing team oh, somebody else has to go you first. can go after uh clark you'll get you go first okay so i'm gonna put the winner as i'm not gonna go toronto i'm gonna say the winner for me is the new york rangers because i think they got two guys who are going to bolster that top of their lineup so well and allow their bottom of their lineup to be stronger because of it. Um, they did get a defenseman as well to kind of balance that out. And they didn't need a goalie because they have one of the best in the world. So I really think that the Rangers put themselves in a position to be, I think, the top team in the Metropolitan Division. I know that Carolina still exists uh, and they just spanked Tampa Bay tonight. Uh, but I still think that the Rangers just are very, very strong, and I think they have a really good chance there. Um, my loser, just let me like scroll really quick here. Um, I would say, like, the mm. <laughs> I have a couple ideas in my head of how I want to say this. I'm gonna say Calgary, uh, they mm. didn't do anything at all, and they're what are they? They're I don't know, six points out of a playoff spot right now, and Basically, this feels like a slap to all of the players on the team and also the coach being like, listen, we're not doing anything. You guys didn't do good enough. Uh, we're not selling even. Um, I think they have a decent situation where most of their players are under contract for yeah, a while. Yeah, there's not a lot of UFAs there. So they didn't have to really move anybody out, but they didn't add a single person outside of Dryden Hunt. I just think that's a big time slap to the organization from Brad Tree Living. And I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Brad Tree Living is not under contract after without this a year. deal. So it was all, I wonder too if it was almost a bit of a slap to the owner being like, if you're not going to give me a deal, I'm not going to put effort in. 
Like I, it's, it seems very weird that they didn't do anything um, yeah. when they'd had such a huge off season uh, and their only move was to add Dryden Hunt to the Wranglers. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me for what they're, what they, what they were last year and, you know, how much changes they went underwent and then didn't do anything on the deadline. So I'm going to say that unless I'm missing somebody blatant, I think Calgary's my loser for sure. All right, Pete he what's up? That's funny. Clark was going to pick, he picked basically the two teams I was going to go with. Like, I mean, you have the Rangers who just probably made some of the biggest trades in NHL history with Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. But uh, I'm going to go with the Leafs. The Leafs are my winner. I mean, I, that's an obvious choice, but like they, they, in my time of watching this team, I think this has been one of the best trade deadlines of all time. Like, this is it, the, the last week was insane, and the Leafs just made some insane moves here with the Jake McCabe. Um, it's funny because you guys both like I, I watched both your guys' TikTok videos, and James, you probably said it on here about acquiring Ryan O'Reilly, and then Clark saying, "No, oh, Jake McCabe," and I would have been fine with just one of those trades, but Kyle Dubas was able to get both of those guys. And I am ecstatic about it. So that's that's awesome. I'm a Leafs are my winners. Um, for the my losers uh, or my loser here, um, I think I'm gonna go with. I wanted a bit Calgary, but I'll go with the Anaheim Ducks. I think. Um, I was just gonna say, yeah, they're another. Yeah, one. I, I know they they signed Klingberg to um one year, one Seven. year deal, and that was supposedly gonna. I don't know what they got for in return for him, but uh, yeah, I just I didn't like what they did at this deadline. They didn't I, they didn't get enough from Klingberg and just yeah, not not didn't like what I see from Anaheim. Okay. All right, all right, Mister D four Dylan Vornier. My I'm gonna go with my loser first. I'm gonna say the Colorado Avalanche Ooh. with. What they have on IR right now, and I do believe they can keep them there. Landeskog, the amount of money that's there, I think they could have done more to compete. They're sitting fourth right now in the Central, and I think that they could be in jeopardy of missing the playoffs, being Stanley Cup uh, defenders. My winner is the Boston Bruins. With what they gave up for Bertuzzi, like Clark had said, he's like would have gave it up easily being a Leafs fan um, and adding Orlov and Hathaway's grit. Um, I, th- I think those were great trades all around. And I honestly wanted to pick some, uh, other teams other than you guys. So uh, those were my winners and losers. The yes. only thing about Colorado and just before you go, James is underneath them. I, I honestly think they have zero risk of missing the playoffs at this point because underneath yeah. them was Nashville seller, St. Louis seller, Vancouver seller, True. Arizona seller, Anaheim seller, San Jose seller, and Chicago. Chicago. That's fair. They're awful. Uh, Calgary is the only one that I can see making some sort of threat to them. Um, yeah. And they're six. Po- they're the six points back. Um, so that's that's the one thing, that, again, going back to Calgary, you're the only other team that has a chance right now. Nashville's yeah. booked. How do you not yeah. try to bolster your lineup even a little bit? Go get Max Domi or something. Like, what are you doing? Like, get somebody. Mm-hmm. Um I just there's enough out there too that I just don't understand unless unless their cap situation was was terrible I just just adding to my Calgary thing I'm mad at Calgary now that I'm getting I'm like making working myself up here all right I'm gonna do it like this uh my pick is these guys right here Kyle Dubas 
had a shopping list. He did. He wanted to get some toughness. He wanted to get some grit. He wanted to get some guys with playoff experience. He wanted to get some guys who score on a higher rate in the playoffs than they do in the regular season. I see you, Ryan O'Reilly. He wanted to get a guy off James's list. He wanted to get a guy off Clark's list just so we could feel good about what we've been talking about all year. He did that. And then he went out and said, hmm, you know what happens to us every year? This guy named Jake Muzzin, he gets hurt in our D. Well, it's like a linchpin pulled out and it just collapses like a house of cards. Oh, so let's just have 15 defensemen so if something <laughs> happens, we can plug and play every single way. We have someone to do that. So Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs to me, they got the job done. He got a shopping list. He said, yes, I will do that. No problem. I'll do yeah, it and then he, one from and every then he team. Got, <laughs> he got home from the, sh- the store and he's like, all right, honey, I'm home from uh, getting groceries. And Shanahan was like, did you get a second line left winger? And he's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> in the heart Detroit thought they had it. And the store is closed now. I can't go get one. Okay. Sorry. Actually, you know what? No, he did. He said, you know what? Yeah, it's this guy named Matthew Nyes that they saved a yeah, contract. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Lord, he's coming. He just can't play right now, okay? You a new I found one in the cupboard. Near you. I found one in the cupboard. My loser <laughs> is a team that, well, if you know, you know. They went out and spent all their assets, you know, on one guy. And if you don't, you know who I'm talking about. Well, Tanner, you know, is that guy. They spent, what, five picks for five goals? Gave up a good prospect in... <laughs> Mr. Calfoot, um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, to me, it's been a lot more subtraction on their roster than addition, in my opinion. Um, Hedman getting hurt. We didn't get to touch on that. But mm. you look back even in the summer, Ryan McDonough being shipped out of town as well. Big piece there. Andre Palat, another piece gone off this roster as well from last year. Guys that we just talked about going and getting playoff experience. Those were guys that were known to get it done at key times. But you go and get Tanner's, you know, all jokes aside. Yes, he hits. Yes, he fights. And yes, who are we to question Tampa Bay Lightning who go and get these players every year for high prices and go on runs? But I'm sorry if the only addition this year, because guys, remember, when they do these additions, usually it's more than one piece coming in. Mm -hmm. When they do these additions, it's more than one guy. And this year it was one guy. And now the guy on their back end is hurt. So he may not be for long. Who knows? But right now he is hurt. For me, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning because for once it feels like they didn't shore up exactly everything they need to shore up. Just saying. We talk about the Leafs if someone goes down their top six. If someone goes down in Tampa's top six, who's getting elevated? Tanner Janot and his five goals? Who's coming up? They traded a depth guy in Nemestikov away to the San Jose Sharks for basically a future. Really? He's a guy that will play in their lineup, but he's not a goal scorer. He's not anything huge to talk about. So for me, and I know everybody's going to be like, oh, but Tampa knows what they're doing and pound their fist. To me, this year just didn't feel like they did the usual boom, shove it down your throats. This is what we're doing. And I know you know has the ability to do that. I know they have some guys on the bottom six that make you hate to play against them. Corey Perry, Patrick Maroon, run through the list. Nick Paul, hello, game seven. I know, I get it, I get it. I get the jokes. But this year, I just don't feel the same about them. And also, your three long playoff drives in. There's got to be a fatigue factor eventually. 
Yeah. Something yeah. has to make these guys human. And I hope to hell the Leafs who took them to a nail biter game seven, guys. And as they said on every broadcast, the Leafs did not get stomped. They didn't get crushed. They didn't get ran out of the building. They didn't get run over at every chance. They lost in game seven by a freaking goal. A goal. By the way, it should have been tied. That pick, I don't give a rat's ass. Justin Hall laying a pick. Come on. Come on. It's Justin yeah. Hall. Wow. But anyways, my loser is the Tampa Bay Lightning. My winner is the Maple Leafs. They went with a shopping list like Tampa usually does and went and checked everything off and said, this year, things better get done. And they brought back a whole bunch of names. Everybody's excited. McCabe's here again. I know it's not the same guy, but they made a trade with Chicago for a guy named McCabe. Wow, they did that in 2000. And by the way, the last time the Maple Leafs made trades like this at a trade deadline and brought in a bunch of names was the early 2000s. And by the way, guys, I don't know if you remember, that's when they went past the first round. That's when they went on a conference finals. That's when they did these things. So it's a calculated move, but the Leafs used to do this all the time. And if you're Old enough to remember 20 years ago, this is when the Leafs used to do things from 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. And they brought in all of the names that were available. The Owen Nolans, Brian Leaches, Ron Francis, the Hainsey. All all kinds of different guys. The Bolster, Tommy Fitzgerald, you name it. Bill Housley. Dave Manson's, Phil Housley's. You know, they brought in the who's who on the back I end. I wasn't really alive at the time. Sorry, I can't name Doug him. Gilmore. <laughs> it's all right. They did. They bring in 2003. They did bring in Doug Gilmore mm-hmm. again. for, But he had his thing ended really quickly with Calgary. Yeah, he got but injured. The last time the Leafs were in this kind of buy mode and adding this many kind of guys to the roster, that was the last time they went on beyond the first round. And like I said, the last time they acquired a guy named McCabe, Four of the five seasons, the Maple Leafs had Brian McCabe and made the playoffs. They went on runs to the second and third round. So just hang your little hat on that. Get ready. Get buckled up because the Maple Leafs are getting it done. And that's why they are my bearded blue warriors. (laughs) Because they gave all the fans what they wanted. They gave everybody what they wanted. They stocked the stuffings. They said, let's go. We got everything off the shelves, and the Leafs are firing up. Yeah, I'm fired up, guys. They may have had a bad week, but they did it. They did it. Pete, you know. If I can give two bearded blue warriors to uh, kind of the opposite of what bearded blue warriors mean, just two more honorable mention losers. Um, I was going to say somebody. The, well, I'll, let me see if we match up here. The Philadelphia Flyers, because they just sucked. They they blew it. They blew the entire deadline. They, did they didn't trade it. anybody. They blew it. Uh, and Montreal Canadiens, blew it. You didn't trade anyone. You blew it. You didn't get any assets whatsoever. What are you doing? Um, those, those were two teams that I think uh, totally Didn't either sell. forgot what day it was or yeah. completely just failed in every, in every regard. Uh, they didn't do enough to be – Looking towards the future, neither team did. So, my especially Philly, more than Montreal. I just couldn't believe it. They didn't get anything for James Ernie's like they didn't move any of their forwards out. They didn't move any defensemen. I don't get it. What are they doing? Sleeping. My honorable mention. Now I don't think they made any other trades besides Pooley Arvey, but the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, I I don't know if you really they believe got Shane in Pooley Arvey. 
Yeah, that's a defense. He scored. He scored tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but somehow they believe in Puliarvi to be their replacement for Pacioretty. So I I don't know how I kind of feel about that trade, but uh, the top team, and I think they might be ran out of that first uh, spot in the uh, Metro. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a long show, an hour and 16 minutes, but guess what? We had no Wednesday show. Pete, did you pick your, did you pick your? No, no, I didn't. No, you just broke it. Yeah. I snapped it here. Sorry, I'll be quick here. Honorable mention goes to Rasmus Sandin. He, uh, I think, got three assists on his first game uh, with the Washington Capitals. So good for Rasmus. But uh, my bearded blue warrior, look, I said that right this time, um, is going to go to Jake McCabe. Guy gave his number up to Luke Shen. He's now going with 22. Luke Shen is getting his number two, which is a beauty move. And to J- Jake to defending defending John Tavares when he got crushed against the Vancouver Canucks there. So, yeah, Jake McCabe, how are you? Keep the change. There you <laughs> go. Clarky, um, did you, you just did the uh, two tail ends of – Beard of Blue Warrior, but do you have a do you have a positive one, or are you you good on it? I'm gonna go with Matt Murray um, coming back after a really long stint, and I again I said it earlier, but I think he looked really sharp last night, and if he can come in and really play as he was playing before, I think we're it's gonna go a long way to stabilizing this core as or this group in general um, as they head into these last 19 games. I think it's gonna be a big addition, another deadline addition by. Just coming back from injury, I think it's going to be a good time. I'm uh, I'm going with Luke Shen. Uh, for him to come back to the Leafs in an atmosphere that obviously, as a youngin, he didn't feel too comfortable in. Um, he is thriving right now, and I'm loving it. He brings the boom every night. I saw that. I saw the uh, hit on Kadri. I think it was after the whistle, but I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. I love Luke Shen back in this lineup. I love everything the Leafs got. I think it's all going to gel and come together. We'll see what happens with Matthews and Ryan O'Reilly. But, ladies and gentlemen, this right here is Outside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.